What is up, Chomp Nation? Welcome to another edition of the Chompcast. We know life is precious and your time is valuable. Thanks for making our show a part of your day. Hopefully, we can return the favor by enhancing the grind of life just a little bit. Now, I know you're thinking, wow, that beautiful, sultry, sexy voice can't be Morgan's. And you would be right. Uh, Morgan is absent today. Uh, He had some family duties to tend to, so I will be taking over for this week's episode. Uh, Just a few quick admin things. If you want to help us out in any way, shape, or form, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you are able to listen to podcasts. And if you feel like you want to help us out a little bit more, please go to iTunes and leave us a very nice, kind rating that helps us get the name Sore Chomp out there that helps other people tune into the show. And if you want to help out in any other ways, uh, head to SoreChomp.com where we have reviews, we have merchandise, we have other podcasts. And lastly, if you just can't help yourself, you feel like, man, I really, really want these guys to succeed, you can head to Patreon.com slash SoreChomp where we have a plethora of tiers that you can sign up for, and it's as cheap as $1. So those are the ways you can help us out, get the Swordchomp name out there. So without further ado, today we are going to launch into something a little bit different than what we usually do. Usually Morgan, he leads into something that he's drummed up that ends up being some kind of dick joke but this week we're gonna take it a little bit differently um so before i get to the intros let me introduce you to what we're gonna be talking about this week the fairchild channel f or the channel fun the first programmable pro (laughs) the first programmable rom cartridge based video game system was released in november 1976 across north america for a retail price of $169.95, which is equivalent to $763.58 in 2019. It was fairly successful, selling 250,000 units, but trailing Atari's video computer system, or VCS, by a sizable margin. Production of the system was discontinued in 1983. The system came about when two gentlemen by the names of Wallace Kirshner and Lawrence Haskell developed the prototype. After multiple unsuccessful attempts to sell it to various TV manufacturers, they contacted Fairchild. In response, Fairchild sent Jerry Lawson, an engineer, to evaluate the Channel F prototype. Impressed with the technology, Jerry suggested that Fairchild licensed the technology, which they did. From there, Jerry worked with an industrial designer by the name of Nick Tailsfor and mechanical engineer Ron Smith to turn the prototype into an actual system. This revolutionary console changed the landscape of gaming, which paved the way for Nintendo and Sega to make cartridge-based gaming consoles, ushering in a new generation of gaming in the 80s. Now, why am I telling you this story about a console that most of you have never heard of, 
it being released and most likely discontinued before most of you were born? To ask you a simple question. Have you ever heard of Jerry Lawson? If not, do not fear, for I hadn't either. So bear with me one more moment while I tell you why this man was so instrumental for gaming today. Not only did he create a new way for people to play games many years ago, but in his later years up until his unfortunate death in 2011, he mentored engineering students at Stanford, always looking to inspire future generations of engineers. He was honored posthumously at the Game Developers Choice Awards in 2019. Not to detract from the aforementioned, but one of his biggest accomplishments was inspiring black engineers, developers, and people across the U.S. and the world. To me, it is disheartening that not enough people know about or talk about how inspirational Jerry Lawson was in both game engineering and inspiring future black developers. It has bothered me a lot in recent years that with the constantly growing medium of gaming continuing to balloon to insurmountable heights, that it continues to be less inclusive of minorities of all kinds, and that includes black people. So today, the members of Swordchomp, joined by our guest who I will introduce here in a few moments, are gathered today to discuss black representation both inside of and involving games. The topic of this show is going to work differently than how we usually do our typical topical sections. Instead of the four of us, uh, four of us as in Morgan, who is not here, unfortunately, instead of the three of us, I should say, running our mouths as we seek to find understanding of where we stand, our aim as <laughs> white men is to do some listening. There will be some facilitation of conversation and there will be some reflection from us. But as the three of us can't possibly know what it actually is like to understand the problem in its entirety, we want to sit down and let someone else do the talking. So, without further ado, I want to introduce the gentlemen who are going to be joining me for this episode of the Chompcast. First, we have Mr. Rich Meister. Sorry, Rich, I'm not going to give you a funny introduction today. I'm just going to simply introduce who you are. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing all right, and as uh, Swordchomp's actual gaming historian, I, I want to say I, the console you mentioned at the top of this, I own it, because that's the kind of weirdo I am. That is fascinating. <laughs> I'm going to have to pick your brain about that a little bit later as we transition out of the topic, but that I didn't know anybody actually still owned that system other than super, super fans, and that is the hunter terminology. Hunter of Relics. There we go. I like that better. Rich it makes Meister, me sound Hunter like Indiana Relics. Jones instead of a hoarder. <laughs> That's also true. That's also true. Well, Rich, thank you so much for being here and admitting that you have a problem. Next, we have we have Mr. Joshua Fowler here, which I do Ooh, not believe he owns uh, the uh, Channel F system. I do how not, are you today? Do not. I'm doing good. Doing, doing pretty good. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Yeah, feeling old. But, uh... <laughs> good. Good, mostly. Yeah. I, you know, 
I, I some some days I wake up and I'm sure you feel this too, Josh, where you're like, I miss the days where I didn't have responsibility and I just woke up and I just walked out to the couch and I just played games for like three to four hours. And you didn't like, there was no concept of anything else. Just, I need to get to that couch right now. Mm-hmm. And now when I go and sit on that couch, I'm like, oh man, my sciatica is acting up. I can't sit here for more than an hour. <laughs> sciatica. Mm-hmm. Like, you got that sciatica. Apparently we have a, we have, we've been smoking too much at this point. Chain smoking as we do on every but, podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's the voice that never stops. But Josh, thank you so much for being here. I want to introduce the guest today that we have brought in. Uh, he is here with me in my apartment, uh, which is why I'm going to sound a little bit more echoey today as I'm accommodating. Um, my good friend Marcus. Marcus, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm all right. Um, looking forward to this. Yeah. Ah. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Marcus, so to give you guys a little bit of history, I met Marcus many years ago. Him and I both teach English here in Japan. And uh, we met at an English camp the first year that I was here. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny. I, was, I didn't think about this until just now. I remember the second the, the camp that we did together. Um, I believe it was my second year doing that camp that we were on the white team. Yeah. I didn't even think about that <laughs> until just now. And we had to have a white team champ. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about how... You remember it? White team, white team, white team. 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 <laughs> I didn't even think about how how coincidental that is to the topic we're doing today. <laughs> I, I don't. Do you think they were like really apprehensive when writing that? They're like, how do we make a chant for the white team that has like no no words that sound dangerously empowering? We can't let this fall into the wrong hands. So, um, well, that oh. might have been my fault that it because we, we we so it was it was six of us just sitting there at this table. It's like ten o'clock at night. We're tired. We're 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 all dehydrated. We want to just go take a shower, but we're like been watching kids all day. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, um, but we need to figure out this chant cuz like oh my god. The, the 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 activity that we need to use this chant for is coming up like tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. The annual chant off. <laughs> that there that literally is a thing. Chris. Yeah. That literally. <laughs> Because, like, no, honestly, think about it. It's really easy for that to sound, like, troubling. Like, even the slightest thing is, like, if you were like, how about go whites? I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's, it's such an unfortunate team because you have the blue team, you have the red team, you have the yellow team, and naturally you'd be like, oh, the green team. Nope, white yeah, team. There's so many other colors. Why go with white? <laughs> no, no, you're, you're expecting Japan to make sense, guys. You, yeah. You, you, you gotta you gotta stop doing that to yourself. Well, to yeah. them, to, I, I guess in Japan, I guess it would be an ethnic color. I don't know. I it's just it seems like you could go any other direction with that. There's so many options. It just seems problematic. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of them don't have awareness. Um, I so in Japan, and I've talked about it on the podcast years ago. They they do something called Sports Day, where one day every year at the elementary, I know school, I play Persona school, games. Kids kind of compete in like. Uh, relays and other various things and this was my first year teaching at an elementary school and they had to do where they carry a ball from one side of the field and back to the other and they have to use a flag and my school decided to use 
the American flag, the Canadian flag, a bunch of other flags where they would fall on the ground and like stuff like that. And I, I saw that and I was like, oh, thank thank God we're not an American seeing this. And then my what do you think you're doing there? Me, my teacher comes up to me the Monday after that and was like, I need to talk to you about something serious. And I was like, yeah, OK, what's what's up? And he's like, so during sports event, I was like, yeah, I, I thought like I did something wrong. And he's like. The students were using that American flag and were dragging it on the ground. And I was like, oh, yeah. And he's like, that's bad, right? And I said, yeah. I said, like, I said, you know, I'm not going to make a big deal about it because I understand it's it's a different country and, like, they're not aware of that. There's but, no negative intention well, there. Well, yeah. Well, the funny part is that um, there's, like, international flag codes of conduct i want i don't want to say law right yeah right so even though they know it's like they think it's bad like they can't do that to the japanese flag right it's the same rules apply guys yeah 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 Yeah. that's why that's why i say like most like i think most japanese people are kind of blissfully unaware but that that guy he's a little bit more westernized and he's like yeah this is wrong right and i was like yeah that's not good is it was it was it the history teacher? No, it was it, he. He so it was elementary school. So it was, it was he, actually the history teacher's idea. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. He's like, well, the rest of America is on fire. Why not the flag? You'd be surprised. <laughs> I have some stories about Japan and yeah. like what they do inside schools. And I just look at the science teachers and I'm like, are you? Should I explain like? The way convection works, or yeah. do you want to do it? Yeah, because you know it's really cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they just, they just <sighs> go, they just go with the tenants set before them. But yeah, I'm glad you're here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. I really am. And uh, I'm your host for today, Shay, uh, Shay Layton. I live in Japan, and. Like I said, Mar- uh, not Marcus, Morgan is not going to be here today. He had some family stuff to tend to, unfortunately. So I will do my best to uh, take the mantle, so to speak. So without further ado, let's get into probably the heaviest topic we've talked about to date on the Chompcast. I'm uh, Yikes. A-, a little a little backstory. I wanted to do this this topic months ago. And I've been approaching various people, um, people that I'm friends with, people that I'm acquaintance with, people in various communities, trying to get someone who is willing to talk about this topic. And I understand it's a very, very difficult topic. I understand that, you know, most of the time on the Chompcast, we try and provide lighthearted insight about gaming and the gaming community as just kind of a way for an escape and for humor. And the more I've thought about it, I mean, we're coming up on five years of doing this podcast and we all feel very passionate about things that we've kind of let slip into the show here and there. And we try and keep it out of the show as much as possible because we want to provide, like I said, a lighthearted environment, but we all feel so passionately about certain things. And if we don't use uh, our voices, it being a part of that media then what are we doing at the end of the day and that for me i you know i approached the guys about it months ago asking if we could do this as a topic and they said of course uh approach it 
cautiously and approach it in the correct way. And um, yeah, it's it's something that I've 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 felt especially passionate about as we've been doing this podcast throughout the years. I, I want to start talking about things that are more serious from time to time. I want us to be able to do that because I want to create that inclusivity in a hobby that I care very much about, that it's been a part of my life for so long. And I know the other guys kind of feel that way in varying degrees about certain things as well. So uh, I, I'm really happy that, like, I was thinking about it the other day, and as for us, the the pandemic's not done, but it's it's slowly, very slowly, and thankfully quieting down that I felt like, you know what, I could probably get Marcus in here into my apartment for him and me to kind of talk about this with the other guys. And uh, I'm thankful that we were able to get him in here. So the first question I'm going to kind of pose, like I said, this is going to be a little bit differently arranged as how we've done it before. I kind of wanted a a easy question to kind of get us into the conversation. And uh, Marcus, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oh. You already knew this was going to happen. <laughs> Are there any famous black video game developers or personalities that you know of or that you follow along to that are just kind of involved in the medium of uh, video games in general um i'm gonna be honest with you i i can't really think of any at the moment i mean sure you have your like live streaming or your twitch streamers you have uh I'm sure there's some people who actually work for the big companies who haven't made it to like the E3 events to where they're part of the conferences that are broadcast. But no, like I I can't think of any personally. Um I mean some of the YouTubers I watch maybe like like I like to watch uh Arix Gaming mm. especially for their Monster Hunter stuff. <laughs> yeah, and you um you know there's uh I don't want to butcher the names. He has his two friends that those guys are black, but they're also like British. So, you know, they, they, they have their experiences as Englishmen, but also as, you know, being black in the UK as well. So, mm. um, but yeah, I, I honestly can't think of any, like could do other than, you know, uh, uh the the guy who you just mentioned <laughs> i can't think of his name no um, it's okay Jer- jerry lawson yes yes yeah, is... jerry lawson like i actually um in high school i wrote a paper uh t- about like video games and like how how they've gone from like you know ev- you'd have to go to an arcade to slowly becoming things that you can have in your house and i did mention him but this was a paper that I wrote for, you know, a grade, uh, what, 13 plus years ago, 14 years ago, 15 yep. years ago. So, um, when you, when you said that name, I was like, wait a minute, that, that does sound familiar. Yeah. Like Nostalgic. I remember reading about it. Yeah. yeah. Cause like, you know, he's from, you know, you read about him and then he's like from New York. He's from a similar area that I was originally from before I moved. Mm. Um, and it's like, wow, that 
could have been me almost if right. I committed to something like yeah. that. Yeah, and like uh, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot, and I'm gonna ask the same question to these guys. The, the, there's kind of a reason why I'm asking this question. It's not to make you feel bad for not uh, no, knowing no any. problem. Man. Yeah, Josh or Rich are. Are there any black famous black video game developers or personalities that you guys kind of follow um, in the medium? I think for me, like the the number is limited. Like I pay attention to the kind of funny guys and stuff, and you have Blessing over there, who's become like a bigger part of that as as it's as he's kind of come up in the industry. But when you you think like to devs and stuff, um. Like, I know of Jerry Lawson just because, like, of research I've done in the past, and I think he is a... I mentioned to you when you showed me some of the script stuff for this episode, I was glad you brought him up because he is such an important part of, like... Like, we wouldn't have carts the way we have them if it weren't for him. He's yeah. such an important, like, pioneer in the industry. Um, And when you talk about, like, that era of video games, like, names in general didn't get tossed around enough, and the names that were getting tossed around were mostly, like, older white guys, which is kind of the way the world still is now, and was more so then. It, it, it's weird, like, you have to dig to, to find those names, and I don't think it's because there aren't any. I, I think it's because they're not, like... Game developers aren't even talked about a lot now, but whenever you do, it's mostly white guys. Right. Yeah. Um, similar sort of thought there, where it, like most of the most of the people of color that I follow in gaming are, um, like you're saying, streamers, entertainers, they're, they're personalities, not personalities, not not people creating games and i don't know if that's part of me think it's just because it the community is can it has the potential to be so toxic that you wouldn't want to even advertise hey look look what i made to <laughs> just the scummiest you know the vilest the worst of scum and villainy in in the galaxy, um, and yeah, which I think is unfortunate. And a galaxy, yeah. not so far away. Mm -hmm. Actually, the galaxy that is your exact own. Black devs will get death threats. <laughs> oh, they and dick will. pictures in their DMs. They definitely would. <laughs> I don't, no, it no, did not take much. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And it's not. It's not just. Obviously, it happens to everybody that the lowest of the low, when it comes to this community, harass and dox and, you know, I, I mean, we're not here to entirely talk about that, but Josh is, is right. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. And the, the reason why I asked this question, um, in full disclosure, I, I don't really know that many devs or that many personalities in in the gaming medium. and. Honestly, when I sat down to think about that, it bothered me a lot because yeah, this is a this is a hobby or a medium that's very predominantly white. It's very homogenous. And um the, the the beautiful thing about something like streaming where Twitch isn't perfect um by any stretch of the imagination that you are able to see these pockets of people that are 
trying to grow it to where it's more my minority driven um for example twitch has taken some level of steps towards that obviously sometimes it's one step forward two steps backwards with twitch uh but i i have seen some different kinds of streamers on there i've i've met asian streamers on there obviously people who are lgbtq i've seen black streamers on there and it's good that those places exist to kind of prop those minorities up but in terms when it comes to development i don't think we hear enough about different minorities uh, including black people developing and that bothers me a lot the the most famous developers you can name are almost all white and excuse me i i brought up um jerry in the intro but i feel like we can't continue to hang our hat on that being like the the well there there are black people in here developing like we can't hang our hat on that because then he's become that there's person no advancement too. In, in a lot of spaces like in a, in a way that's like feels jarring because it's like well there's there's certainly more people like and the same goes for they go like pe- people of color in general and like women they've all been here since the beginning and you like to just like handpick these three people that made significant contributions and go look here here and it's like yeah but we need more of that now it's 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 not just all looking at the past right right and i this kind of leads me into the next question I had is, um, Marcus, how do you feel about that being the case where if, if you were to look up some of the most famous developers, it'd be predominantly white. Now, as, and I ask that because obviously part of it is what the, the topic we're talking about. Do you take any kind of, not necessarily exception, but does that make it feel like it's less inclusive as, in gaming as a I whole? Mean- well, like we mentioned, like the toxicity of like just gamers and just sometimes the the game development uh, areas. Like, I think it it, it like it, it it bothers me, but it's not too upsetting. It's like, well, I mean, I could have thought of that, or I have thought of like a similar idea. Or like say in a dream or just daydreaming or just thinking of a cool concept if I wanted to make like a story or something, right? Um but like I also know it's just kind of well they're predominantly just white people in video games development as far as like Western developers go. Um same with here in Japan, like you know, you you might get one you might get one or two foreign people who or non-Japanese people who can make it pretty high up in a Japanese game developer as well. So it it's just kind of like the way it currently is or the that's the status quo. Mm. I do hope it changes. Um it, I mean there's even an argument of like it could be the reason why it's like this now is because we we when i say we i mean like black people we're we're not given that opportunity like you know some of us don't think of oh i can be a video game creator or some of us don't think that i could 
create the next, you know, uh, Google Stratus or, you know, Xbox or mm-hmm. next PlayStation system. Um, and so it's, it, it, you, you can go and start think like giving them, giving us a, like a role model in the case of Jerry Lawson or giving mm-hmm. any kind of role model will help like the next generation see, or even people now see that we can do it if we can apply ourselves. Yeah. I, that's kind of like one of the biggest questions I had. I remember during last year, um, when I was in Japan and our friend, uh, D, uh, when, when the black lives matter stuff started happening last year with George Floyd and everything, I remember feeling incredibly helpless here in Japan. And I remember I actually kind of had this feeling of wanting to quit my job and go back to the U.S. and protest. Not riot, but protest. Because I felt like, I, I just, I, I, felt, I felt so passionate and strong about that. And I remember, I, I <laughs> yes, Josh, that. Um, yes. He, he, yes. Ty- he typed something in the chat I'm not going to repeat on the podcast. But um, yes. Uh, yes, very much that. Um, but I remember thinking some, the less drastic thing I could do is to ask questions and listen. And Mm. so I remember talking with D and one of the things that I really wanted to ask him is about his experience growing up. And one of the things that, and I'm going to go slightly tangential and I will bring it back here is I remember asking him, you know, when you were a child, were there things that you noticed that were um difficult growing up with that you you could never see a white person growing up with and i gave him an example of that which is like growing up in homogenous white state of montana that it is largely white um i could play Ooh. fake guns with my friends i could even have <laughs> like i had a star trek phaser uh... from the original series that i could play right i could do that and I asked him about that, and he said, you know, my grandmother told me, don't act like you have a gun, because yeah. you never know if a police officer is going to yeah. mistake uh, that as something that's real. I mean, there's there are cases in the States now, like, for example, you can go to Walmart, and there'll be, like, hunting rifles, like, there you can pick up, see the weight of it, see if it, you know, if it's if fits you for if you want to go hunting. Yeah. I, I live in Georgia, so deer hunting's a real big thing, and that state so you can walk into a walmart and just any suburb of atlanta and you can go into the sporting goods section and there will be you know a few rifles there usually they're locked but you can uh you can ask uh usually one of the sales reps who are in the area Mm. they usually have a key they can you know so you can see it get the feel of it if you want um yeah you can you can I I would never do that. Right. Like I I'd, I'd always be like when I was a kid I was like I say I'm in Walmart with my grandfather I'm like why is there a gun here? He's like it's for hunting. I was like but this is sport. He's like hunting can be a sport. I'm like can I do hunting? He's like I don't recommend it. Like you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's kind of like the, the the fucked up nature of that. And so I was trying to think about like that kind of concept when it comes to video games. Because I know when I was growing up in the school system in Montana, it was consistently imprinted upon me that I could do whatever I wanted. Uh (laughs) Right. And so if I wanted to be a game developer, I could. 
if I wanted to be uh, a freelance writer writing about video games and doling out reviews, I could. If I wanted to be a YouTube personality, I could. As, as a black person, did you feel like you were kind of given that same ability to feel like, if I want to be a game developer, I can. If I want to be a YouTube personality who talks about video games, I can. Did you feel like that was something? No. And to be fair, a lot of our parents, uh, at least, I, I, can't, I don't want to speak for everyone's parents. My parents would support that. Now, now, years later, they see that video games are now this booming media outlet. They're like, okay, like, they would, if my cousins, my younger cousins were to say, hey, I want to become a video game developer, or I want to become a professional gamer, or a, a, a YouTuber, Twitch streamer, um, they would get a little bit more support, I guess, from my aunts and my mom or something like that. Um, but if I wanted to do that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they'd been like, hell no. Um, and now, you know, you have people like PewDiePie, who's, I think, probably the same age as me or similar, mm. who makes God knows how much money a month or Insane year, right? Of money. Um, but no, they're, they're not, we're, we're not really given support by our parents. Like I, like I couldn't, I, like my mother would never tell me, oh yeah, you have that game tournament coming up in, you know, three weeks you know, you go ahead and put in an hour of practice time to make sure you got your your yeah. combos and you got your iframes ready. Like, like you know, you, you can you can hit those hadoukens quickly. <laughs> your mom has right? iframes? <laughs> no, no, no. But but uh, of course not. But the point I'm trying to make is that you know, parents parents now are slightly getting better, right? Um, I I was reading an article the other day about how. This one parent got so... It, this was in Japan. This one parent got so mad at their child playing games all the time that they made it like a job for their kid. There's like, I want to <laughs> see... It's like, I want to see progress reports. I want, I want to know how many enemies you killed. How many levels did you gain? How much gold did you earn? Did you <laughs> defeat this many, like, floors of your dungeon? Like, and... And they created a wild about, gold farm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep right and you know after i think they 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 updated the the article they're like after three months of that my my child stopped playing video games altogether so i win it's like <laughs> why would you do that to that kid do you it just sounds like you're a masochist yeah i mean if it's <laughs> depends on the level of obsession versus development there True. yeah but um but yeah, I'm sorry, sorry for going. No, that's good. It's like, we, um, we we do tangential. Here. Okay. <laughs> that's all we do here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no. Uh, I mean, it's it's a get like it's getting better now. Now that more people are out there and doing are in, there's there's it's more in the open, especially with like say YouTube and Instagram and all these other social media sites that we have. People are parent like parents can see it. Um, kid, younger kids who are still wanting to define. Give me a second here. <laughs> <You're good. laughs> um, younger uh, people can see it, and then they can say, "No, I wanna, I wanna do that. I wanna, I wanna make this hobby of mine 
my job. I want to I want to create something that will inspire others like how this has inspired me. So we're 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 slowly getting there, but we it's going to take some more time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And this is where I want to bring Josh and Rich in here is do you feel like there's from what you've seen on the outside looking in, do you feel like there's been progress made there, especially with, you know, like seeing it on Twitch, you've seen the amount of people, um, what, what different types and different nationalities of people, are you seeing that in general kind of increase both in development and just in the gaming medium? And what, like, I want to throw you kind of a, a loaded question here. How do you feel about it? I, on, on the development side, I think less so. Um, like, weirdly enough, as, like, I spent a lot of time, like, work when I was working directly in a publication and we weren't in this hell world, um, meeting with developers, and I think it was all white men or Japanese men every time I was, like, occasionally a white woman, uh, (laughs) whenever I was meeting with a developer, I, on the, the media end of it? I've seen a lot, a lot more progress. And you look at things like esports teams and all that stuff. A lot more diversity on that end, which I think is good. Um, when I talked earlier about like Jerry Lawson, like it seems like in the more recent years, he's become more of this prop of like, look, uh, black people in games development, which I think the intention is good because it, it's. It's falling short for sure because you need more than just that, but it's kind of what Marcus was talking about of like if kids can see people like them working in development, like maybe that's the encouragement they need to go, no, I can do that, which is definitely a thing we need because more needs to be done on the development side of it because I'm I'm not seeing any progress in the development side of it nowhere near close to what we're, I think we're seeing on the media and like the YouTuber end of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, having to go back half a century to find the black man in gaming. is that's not a good problem. Look. Yeah. That's, that's not a good look. Um, and I refuse to believe, <laughs> I refuse to believe he's the only one just statistically speaking. It's not. Yeah. But kind of like we're saying, like, as, as far as like, like like you said it's like the one like we'll we'll bring this up like look look no look i've got a black friend he's and, look and right I, here he's, yeah that's just it it's bringing your <laughs> it's bringing your black friend to dinner like that and uh, it's so strange it like i get why he would be the one in a sense because not only is he a, a black man in game development like it's not just a sizable contribution it is a massive like just, like an undeniably massive contribution. It it changed the way games were delivered, sold, packaged. Like it's an incredibly important one, and he is a man worth talking about. But he can't be the only one worth talking about. Yeah, yeah. I'm exactly. kind of. Mm. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of with you there, Rich. As far as like not seeing enough movement on this front, like I think it's getting better, but not in the way we were thinking. I feel like there's a whole lot more development of in, in like smaller studios in other countries that are just getting more um, 
more of an audience in the West. Had a lot of meetings now. with like, a lot of Eastern European men. Well, just like I've I've been able to play games from, you know, Brazil, from Malaysia, from mm-hmm. a, a lot of smaller devs that just would not have had a voice for a long time in gaming that I'm seeing a lot more of lately, which I think is really good for people to get that exposure. But I, I, th- I think the kind of the, I don't know, bigger You're not seeing anyone who's that face of it, like in the way that like a Ken Levine or like yeah. a Hideo Kojima are. This yeah, fate, like they're this rock star or game even, developer, or even Neil Druckmann at that point, because he is Israeli American. Isn't that just Morgan's friend? <laughs> but but yeah, but but that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like I feel like there are these big companies in the established um gaming studios that could be doing a whole lot more to to work on this. I would imagine they have have the resources to to be doing more. Yeah, and like story there's huge teams of story developers, of like technical developers, like I, I don't know. I just I, I find it hard to believe that there isn't a, a face you you could pin to this to because I, I think like to like take that step back, like the important thing is if it is if the the prove the problem is going well there just aren't a ton of of black people in games development then i think the problem is that level of encouragement and not having that that face to look to for kids to go that could be me we'll give him a moment sorry we were we were we were uh, deliberating about something we can cut that out Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> he, had a no, no. he had a question about uh, Reggie. Do you, uh, remember, do you remember my body is ready? Yeah, Reggie Fisame, Bigfoot Pizza legend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was, car- he was I met Reggie. about the national. Really? He wouldn't let me swing from his big arms. He's a monstrous man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like that was, that was a question. But, no, I... <laughs> I agree that I like that there are some areas where progress is being made, and I think indie games are a big one. I know we talked about this game a lot, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. Um, Ick and Phil. He's Haitian. Oh, he is. He's part Haitian. He is part Haitian. I didn't know that. Okay. We should make him part black. Good job, Haitian grandfathers are some of my favorite people (laughs) on the planet. (laughs) Haitian grandfathers. Oh, no. Um, they are fun. <laughs> they're very vibrant men, and they are willing to tell you anything they have to say. I can appreciate that. Um, no, a game like Ickenfell, which did such a good job. Um, we've talked about the LGBTQ aspect of Ickenfell. Uh, Ickenfell also did a really good job of including different minorities in there in terms of race. It did a very good job of that. Um, Mm -hmm. that's one example that is always so prominent in my mind for representation and normalization of, of, um, representation. Some of your favorite arguments on the podcast. (sighs) That's also true. That's also very true. I, I think indie games have done a good job of that. I think that if you, 
were to go look at something like Twitch and go look at their top 10 streamers on Twitch, it would be predominantly be white men. And that's disappointing. Um, you were to go look at YouTube and you were to look at some of the top YouTubers, you'd see Mr. Beast up there. You'd see some other people and they'd probably be predominantly I'm gonna white. prank my friend by giving them a car. Ah, those hijinks. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like they're, in small doses, progress is being made, but not enough large progress is being made. I think about how last year, when the George Floyd stuff was happening, all these companies were making these black background, white fawned statements about how they stand with the movement. Yet, we're not seeing any legitimate progress from that. And I understand that we are not even a year removed from those events, but that's not good enough to me outside looking in. That's not good enough to be making a statement like that, which I'm, I'm sure that people involved in that movement were appreciative of the support at the time. And I'm sure George, George Floyd's family and other families who have been affected by police brutality appreciated the, the sentiment but i also think that and again outside looking in that the appreciation would be for there to be actual change made and when i think about video gaming when i look at how predominantly white not exclusively but predominantly white developers are i look at i look at two things for me i look at what kind of opportunities are white people being given when they're growing up versus minorities? Like Marcus just said here, he he wasn't given that verbal and mental confirmation that he could do something like that if he wanted to. And I think that could probably be largely applied across the board for a lot of minorities in the U.S. And why is that the case? And we need to start looking at that as a country, and we need to start looking at that in our education system. Why is this so drastically different? And the other thing I'm looking at is I understand the nature of being like, hey, we have a diverse group of people here who work for this developing company. You want to make sure you're not saying like, hey, we got the token black guy here. Hey, we got the token Asian here. I understand the, the, the need to not try and put that out there by advertising, but there are ways you can advertise you are a diverse group of people who are all working towards one mission. And you look at something like um, Naughty Dog. And look, I'm not the biggest Naughty Dog apologist here. I think anybody who's listening to this podcast knows that. Um, who would that be? But I, <laughs> Nobody knows. Uh, by the way, Morgan, the guy who's not here, loves The Last of Us 2 and Naughty Dog. So. Oh, he's not going to. He's not going to be a fan of me. I, I haven't even finished Last of Us 1. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? No! But I, I think about that company, and like for all, of, for all of the issues that they have, like have had with crunching and whatnot, they're one of the few companies I look at that does have a little bit more diversity within their studio, and I think they're doing a good job of not necessarily being like, hey, look, we got this diversity but they still showcase it in a way that it feels semi-genuine. And that's one of the bigger ones. And I, my hope is for, for me, and hopefully for our medium in general, that 
bigger companies kind of start pushing towards that. They need to start setting that precedent. Um, Naughty Dog's not perfect in that. I'm not saying like, oh, they can they can rest on their laurels there. That they're good enough. Now the other companies need to pick up the slack. All of them need to pick up the slack. I mean, it, I, I I agree. I mean, you're definitely going to be hard pressed to find a company that like will be that diverse or like right now. And like you said, we there has to be a push for it. Yeah, like I mean, once again, where you 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 you'll see, like you'll literally sit there. You'll have to. Be like, I can't think of anything. You know, pull out your phone, open up your computer, like, black game developers. Uh, uh, it's like. hard to do a Google search for. <laughs> it, 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 like, it, troublingly so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's something I had to do when I was, um, when I was kind of working on the intro, um, that... I was trying to think about like how much of an intro do I want to make here? How much information do I want to divulge here? And I started, um, I, I put some citations in the show notes cause I'm going to reference those, uh, or, or sorry, in my introduction synopsis, cause I'm going to mention those in the show notes for people who are more interested. I want to put some resources out there for people to do some research and to, kind of research the same things I was researching when I was thinking about this topic. I Rich is right. I don't want to have to look this stuff up. I don't want to go out of my way to look this stuff up to find good examples. I'm not saying that I I want to shove it in people's faces. I'm not saying that I shouldn't have to look it up or anything like that. I'm saying that I should anybody who enjoys gaming shouldn't have to feel guilty because they don't know because that that is not being put out there enough and you can say part of that is due to us not doing enough research and knowing those people i think there is some validity in that and fairness in that because i'm sure there are people who are more knowledgeable who are like well these these black developers have existed for years that's up to you to do that research and that i will in part agree with and i i take some responsibility for myself for that but I also think that there needs to be some responsibility upon the developers and the studios and the awards shows um, to start valuing that diversity. And it needs to be more at the forefront at the end of the day. Is that something you'd agree with, Marcus? Yeah. Actually, now that I'm thinking, like now that I've sat here and thought about it for an hour, um, <laughs> I, I can't, I, once again, I can't remember her name, but she used to, like, she would be at the Ubisoft uh it was a black woman for ubisoft if i remember correctly i'll like, look it up for the just dance in the in the and rayman like reveals for e3 i i, I really can't are we just thinking of like are we just thinking of aisha tyler who was hosting all their stuff aisha tyler yeah right because she doesn't actually be, work for she'd ubisoft be a host right yeah. Oh, yeah she doesn't okay so she was just the host she what? she's, a, she's oh, an she's actress a, yeah, she's she's, a she does the voice actress. of lana and archer she does ah oh, lana yeah, and archer. she's okay, also okay. the host on uh whose line is it anyways she took over for drew carey uh, aisha tyler is great but she doesn't <laughs> okay, technically work for ubisoft not a game developer but yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay then never mind well she is great there though. you go once again i'm i'm still i'm still trying to think i want to I need to. I need to be yeah. able to, to 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 stomp this question because well, it's, it's getting me. <laughs> to, to be fair, there is um, 
uh, they was this Ubisoft actually did an article. I didn't know about this back last year where they talked about the women of Ubisoft. Okay. And there um looks like there are some women. That of sounds all kinds so of sketchy to me there. just knowing Ubisoft. Like just Yeah, that's that's also true. <laughs> well just, you know, just probably... knowing Ubisoft, I, I have so low hopes for that article and like I know I, we should give them a chance here, but like Let's hear I mean, them it's out. It's probably not Ubisoft America, right? It's probably Ubisoft, like, Europe. Ubisoft Quebec. Europe. Ubisoft Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the famous studio. <laughs> the most famous one of all. No, but uh, as, we tra- as we transition out of developers, one, one thing that, another aspect of this topic that I really wanted to talk about is actually inside of the games themselves. Um, Marcus and I were kind of talking about this before the show. So he's a little bit more prepared. <laughs> so the the general question, and feel free to go into what we were talking about before the show. Do you feel like there has been a lack of representation amongst protagonists or characters in gaming during your lifetime? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I mean, but once again, that's that's that 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 that, that can be a. I, I don't think it could be a separate episode, but that 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 can. That's a conversation that can go on for a while, but yes, the the short answer would be yes. the The slightly longer answer would be, um, yes. I feel there's a, <laughs> a, a, a lack of representation, but you know that can be due to my own personal like life experiences, right? Like I'm not going to find a character in gaming in a game that I just automatically connect with just because they're black I, that's that's too sketchy for me <laughs> right yeah it, what one of the things so when i was writing and researching this topic i actually went and read some scientific studies um which i'm not i'm not going to mention i was initially going to approach the topic that seriously like i went and read studies guys i went and read studies um, and I say it that way because I went and read a lot of studies on this topic. Um, I read about uh, black representation of women, black representation, um, and, and transphobia, mm-hmm. how that is represented mm-hmm. in gaming. I yes, went and re- yes. researched black me- men in gaming, the research that has been done. And one of the th- big, biggest things that stuck out to me with all the scientific journals and reports and studies that I was reading is that um, there was one group, there was one paper where the authors felt like largely, not specifically and exclusively, but largely when a black character is represented in a video game, it's a very, it's a stereotype of a caricature of a black person. Um, And what that means is you think about Mafia 3. The main character Mm -hmm. is black. But he's uh, he's a guy. He's a guy doing crim criminal activity, which is largely how. Um, which mafia usually reserves people. for Italian white people? Yep, exactly. Or you look at um, I can't remember which Call of Duty game it was. There was a he wasn't a main character. He was a foil character. He was a black character in one of the Call of Duties, and he was pretty much killed off almost instantly. Um, or <laughs> you like largely. Is the when go-to here person... Barrett Wallace? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly, Barrett Wallace, and this is something that 
because you you didn't play the original. Yeah. He was kind of given the urban dialogue, mm. and then you he spoke in ebonics. <laughs> exactly, oh, and in the remake, there was actually this huge controversy when the um the remake was announced, and they started showing off trailers because Barrett Barrett talked like this, you know, like they try to make it very okay, much yeah. like um very stereotypical, yeah, and there was a you're, lot you're, of backlash you're, on that. Your 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 big essentially the the big meathead, the big black meathead is yeah, the really big kind of how they head, were yeah. they were portraying him and. I mean, what Japanese pretty people, solid dude. Like, yeah, Barrett definitely time, looks like he plays for like, O line. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a big dude, but like Rich is saying, yeah, that's how the Japanese presented him in the first place. Yeah. Is, isn't that a little troublesome in in and of itself? That like just like J- Japanese developers. Need, well, let's just be honest. There's not a lot of black people in Japan, um, and so the Japanese people and society just don't have a lot of exposure which is why when they do do certain things they never consult black people and it becomes an issue yeah. <laughs> um, my very there's, vague there's, understanding is that it's like american television is like their their baseline yeah. exposure for it i don't know how true that is it's no, it's very true. television and athletes yep. so for a very good example of that is um, there's a ex-NFL player, Bob Sapp. So whenever they see a black guy here who's, like, bigger than 6'2 and weighs more than 223 pounds. <laughs> that's a very specific number. Like, no. But once, you, once, you, once you're They're not, like, that? you know, eight. <laughs> I'm lowballing it, actually. But, but, no, like, so they're... they're once you once you're like a certain body type, you're just like scary, dangerous. Mm. Yet you could be a kindergarten teacher. Like I I teach four year olds, but at first everyone's just like, "Is he gonna be okay?" Yeah, you're like I, yeah, you're six four, aren't you? I'm six two. I'm not even yeah. Right? No, you gotta be taller than that, dude. I'm six one, and you're you're a few. I am taller than you. So maybe I'm six three. Maybe I'm pretty I'm sure you're six more. three at least. You might as but well be eight feet is, tall, like, as far as they're concerned. Right, right. And the one of the reasons for that is um Bob Sapp, who's a ex-football player. He's the, he if you saw the longest yard, he's he's like he talks like uh Barrett, Barrett actually. He's like, "Why you don't hit me like that? Don't hit me. Tell dad and mom." Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like like so he's he's very big. He talks ebonically. Um and he used to he after he retired from the NFL, he'd like used to do Japanese K-1 fights. And so that's their image of, like, mm. big black guy. Or the other image is there's this comedian here, um, and he's very silly, but he's a comedian. So they expect us to be very silly and animated and just very big and intimidating, um, mm. which isn't always the case. And I, 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 I will ask you this. Can you think of a Nintendo... Like a Nintendo character that's black. That's uh, Mike Tyson. <laughs> Mike Tyson, but that's, that's not that's not a professional athlete though. You, you, like I like when you asked me when we when he asks me like like can you think of a black character by the way I'm like okay. Like my mind automatically went to sports games and I was like, let me go ahead and just throw all the sports games away. Yeah, yeah you gotta throw them all away. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I was like, how about Doc from Punch Out? But that's a sports game. Yeah, yep. Yep. Yeah. What's yeah, the he, um, he and, what's so the character from Splatoon? Marina. Marina, okay. I haven't played Splatoon. So it, it, but she's yeah. a well, squid, Splatoon right? too. Yeah. Yeah, in Splatoon yeah. 2, you've got uh, Marina, who's uh, My... like one of the uh, like announcers for the that, that, that whole game's kind of kind of got a weird thing going. Like the announcers for the battles slash their idols, uh, type, okay. you know, okay. characters. But I know my students, I know some of my students really love that game, but I I haven't tried it out. Same, yet. same. Some of my <laughs> students are freaking obsessed with that game. He was mentioning uh, what was the guy's name in Final Fantasy Thirteen? Saws. Saws. Yeah. Saws. I yeah. think Saws is so- the better character than Barrett, but that game is the worst game. <laughs> Yeah, Saz right. is one of the best characters in that game. He's he's pretty great. He just wants his kid back, man. I, yeah. I, right? Like like when I first played thirteen Final Fantasy thirteen, I was just like, Hey, it's a black guy. And then I was like, but they had to give him an afro. Do they have a bird in yeah. it? Yeah, look, baby choke. <laughs> they had to give him an afro and he had nope. to be the guy who uses guns. Yeah. Out of the, uh, yes, yeah. and he had to be the guy using guns. Same thing with Barrett, right? Barrett uses a gun. Like, wh- why? Yeah, why all the characters there. The yeah. <laughs> at, at, at least, at least in Barrett's case, you know, to be fair, like they gave him a tragic backstory for it, and the other guy who got a gun first was white, and he's the one out there doing the real's more significant crimes. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I guess we'll give them that. <laughs> Yeah, it's so weird because it's and like he also did, did take care of Orphan Marlene. Yeah, yeah and like did. they're both you know fathers. Yeah, yeah. Barrett's yeah. a dad. A Saz wants dad. his son back. Yeah, it's so weird because it's like they're doing so many good things with these characters, but at the same time, it's like propped up on so many stereotypes. <laughs> and you're like, well, I, I, like, they're like the, what, the victims what do you do of. This? I think they're the victims of like what they're trying to do with the character is like on the surface they're this caricature, but underneath they're this really well developed character. But it's like, yeah, but you're still burying it underneath a caricature. Yes. Yeah. I I think about too like some of the progress, quote unquote, that's been made, and just how like exactly on this topic what you're saying, Rich. How it's always there's always a caveat. You think about Assassin's Creed Three Liberation, which had um a, oh, a black female protagonist yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome buried it in a playstation vita game that hardly anybody has played i love that game and that's good I, i'm glad that there are people like you out there that love that game but they buried it in the vita the only you, game you can, you can that play that on ps4 or, now you can or, now yes or um, it took forever if we're gonna st- if we're gonna stay in the assassin's creed realm the the dlc uh, where he plays Ottawale from Black Flag. Yes. Yeah. And buried it in DLC. I, I'll be honest, I haven't played it because Freedom this Cry was during a time... Is great. I, I, I'll have to get it. I, this was during a time where I was like, I refuse to pay for DLC. I'm, I'm not a part of that team anymore. I, but. I, I, I totally get that. <laughs> I, but like, the defense I I'll make of that about... is they released it as a standalone. Like, you could have bought that and you didn't have to have the original game. Mm. Yeah, Probably the best way to experience I... that, given the game it was in, but... Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, actually, no, I, it was, I it was part of think... Black Flag, right? I love Black Flag. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Black Flag yeah. was uh, great. Yeah, I don't know Not why we're, I was thinking of the other one still. Sorry. Like, no, no. We talked about two games game. in a row, and I was, I was getting the two of them confused. Never mind. It's okay. One of the things I even think about is even just like character creation with black people is very, very, very lackluster. <laughs> I will never forget, and Josh, you'll remember this. Back in 2010, when we were doing our old podcast and we were talking about Fallout New Vegas, and mm-hmm. we had a we had an our older buddy Adam um, who did that podcast with us. He's talking about character creation and he's talking yeah. about how absolutely terrible the choices were for black people's hair. And basically, yeah. he would build a black a black person with a white person's hairdo. Yep. And I think about in 2021 how that hasn't changed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 But I mean, that's oh god, black hair. That's that's a that's a oh. that's a very hot topic just in general. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Your options <laughs> yeah, are what like afro and cornrows and bald. Afro, cornrow, ball, but they've gotten better. They've added dreadlocks. Sometimes dreads. <laughs> Occasionally, yeah. yeah. Sometimes dreads. <laughs> yeah, oh, for the longest man. time, though, you, just, you could build the biggest, burliest black man you wanted, and they'd have just the straightest, just, yeah, like, what happened here? <laughs> give, give him the hair of a Swedish man. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine Barrett with Tifa's hair? God. Right? <laughs> I'm doing it right now, and I love it, if I'm being honest. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's giving that impassioned speech about saving the planet, and then he just moves up his gun arm to brush his bangs out of the way. (laughs) That would be amazing. But, no, it's just like... He might have a wig. They might have a wig from uh, the, 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 the... There's the mission where he where Cloud dresses up. Oh, yes, 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 on yes, Cloud. Yes, they might have Manor. a way. <laughs> that would have that's no. the change they should have made. They should have changed that mission to it being about Barrett. <laughs> it would have sold like gangbusters. Whatever that means. But no, I just I think about that in gaming and how it seems like everything when it comes to minority representation and black representation in games, it's always one step forward, two steps back. Mm. Or it's just stagnant. And we're gonna close. We're pretty much gonna close this topic out. I feel like we could sit here and talk about it for hours and hours. Yeah. But I wanted us to at least have that conversation. And if we feel like there needs to be more that needs to be said, I'm sure you're more than willing to come back, and we'd love to have you back. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. But like, it's the conversation's got to start and it needs to, it needs to start happening. It should have been happening years ago. And I know certain sects of people are, are having those conversations, but it just needs to be happening across the board. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation today. Um, any thoughts on Eddie Gordo before we close? (laughs) Oh yeah. Eddie, Eddie, did you know Dudley from street fighter? the, The, the other black boxer, the British one, Mm-hmm. Dudley, he's black. I didn't know that's that. True. I was like, wait, what? I know Balrog. And and Balrog's the go-to. That's that's er, yeah, exactly because he's Mike Tyson. Like Balrog, Jax, Eddie Gordo, th- those are, are the people that come to mind. Yeah, yeah, Eddie Gordo. Yeah, yeah. he does. What does he do? Capoeira. Da- Capoeira. That's right. Yeah. Capoeira's dope. But no, it just these conversations need to be happening, and I speak for myself here. 
Um, I think that the change needs to start happening now. Like it should have been happening for years. The fact that we we had a uh, um Adam he um full disclosure also a black man he was talking about eleven years ago how he didn't feel like he could build a character in a game that would represent him because they didn't even have the right hair. The options weren't there, yeah. Right, and 11 years later. And it's something as simple as that to something more extreme as none of us here could name that many black developers. And part of that is due to our own lack of research. Part of that is also due to what is being presented out there to the media. Something needs to change. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for Swordchomp. I'm not speaking for anybody else here. I'm speaking for myself. Um, is there any final thoughts that you guys wanted to talk about before we go on a very quick break? The, 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 the one notion I'll put out there is um, I think it's a damn shame that the most interesting uh, black protagonist I can think about from games last year is probably Miles Morales. And I, I say that's a shame because he's great. That game is great. It made my top 10 list. It's a shame because it's a character they mined from another medium. <laughs> that, 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 like, it, it's an existing comic book character. It wasn't a fresh original character. Like, Miles Morales is a fantastic character, but he's not a video game character first and foremost. It's great he got a video game he was the lead of and that it's an awesome video game. It, it's a shame that, like, it was mined from something else. Like, yeah, like, I, I guess take that for what you will. <laughs> yeah, I can agree with that. Josh, is there anything else, Major, you wanted to say before we close out the topic? Um, I mean, it's probably, given how far into the show we are, it's not like this is going to convince anybody who's stuck around this long at this point. Um, But I think a big part of this, it's... Like speaking for all whites, because that's my purview. Um, yeah, my permission. Uh, <laughs> these sort of conversations happen, and a lot of people feel attacked, and that's not the point. I think the point is more so it needs to be fixed, and if there's something you can do about it, it'd be great if you helped. Like it, like this is something you should think about. Like, it's not, it's not. You should think if there's anything you can do that would be beneficial. It's like, yeah, like, don't, don't, don't assume this is someone else's problem. Because I feel like kind of as, as a group, gamers are not great at this. And like, there's a whole lot more we can do in order to kind of convince developers that this is the direction we want to head um yeah and so don't like this this whole thing is not to feel attacked that like oh no you're so horrible like why would you be in a gaming they've got like all of one black person in there why would you i can't believe you'd possibly do that it's more to say use your voice say what you want to see going forward with all of this because it's not going to change on its own um like we've seen that it's not changed in like our lifetime there's just not enough movement on this yet. Well, well, that's just it, right? Like, that's why we're we're even doing this, is when we think, like, from our end of the medium, it's like, what can we do to invoke that change? What we can do, based on the content we create, is have this conversation. 
Yeah. Not a lot, but... It's something. Yeah. You hope it moves yeah, the needle. And I, th I think that actually brings up a really good point as well, that you don't necessarily need to feel like you, you need to move mountains to make a difference. It, it can be something as simple as, you know, s showing your support. Um, you don't have to make a vast contribution to charity. You can make a, a $5 donation to a charity that will benefit um, in some way, shape, or form. Like, if in your community there's a charity that will donate um, so black children can have access to technology, a $5 donation isn't a paltry sum. That goes somewhere, and that would help. And that allows for black children to have the possibility of becoming a developer of ha being able to bring out their imagination. You know, it, any little bit you can do is great. I think for me, I'm more, I'm more calling out the bigger organizations that have the power to make some change and how to uh, have the ability to put their best foot forward. And they're not like, I, I know like sitting here yeah. for each person who's listening here, you've already formulated your opinions and that's fine. I'm I'm not I'm not sitting here trying to change your opinions. I don't think any of us are trying to do that. I think what oh, we're yeah. trying to do is just a broad. Well, that's fair. Uh, I think what we're trying to do is just broaden your mind to consider a different aspect to this conversation. Um, that's my point at the end of the day. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give the last and final word to Marcus before we close this conversation up. Is there anything you want to say before we? In this conversation it doesn't need to be profound or anything like that anything that you feel like you want to say um well um where do i start i mean one <laughs> i said thank you, on you spot. Thank, thank you guys for letting me be a part of your discussion um i mean i'm honored really and i just hope that like this podcast i guess can open up the discussions for it with your listeners so that they have those discussions among their peers as well. And hopefully the more voices or more people think about it, more voices are heard. Um, possibly maybe some of your listeners actually do work in game development or have the ability to change uh, that. Like, for example, like growing up, I didn't have computer classes really, so I couldn't even learn, say, a basic animation course, even if I wanted to, or three design course or something like that. But a maybe one of your listeners could be like a teacher, be like, "Hey, let's open up that that section in our computer class to so the kids can learn some more about computers and possibly get into program development or game development, right?" Um. So any small, like you said, any small talk that you can have or just opening up the discussion about this is amazing. And I just want to say thank you for letting me yeah, be a part of it. Yeah, no, no, no. You're welcome anytime, man. And like, right. seriously, thank you for coming on. I know this is like kind of a tall order asking you to walk in <laughs> with my three, well, two friends who you don't know to have a very serious conversation. Uh, I, like, I appreciate fine. it. I mean, it's, I mean, it's. For the purpose of education, right? I mean, I don't feel attacked. I feel very 
comfortable right good. now. <laughs> good, good. Oh, so that's what I wanted. That's what <laughs> no, that's what we all want. Yeah. We were going for inviting environment. Yeah, thanks. I lit thank a candle you, and then realized that it was online. And it does, it's not. <laughs> didn't accomplish what i was hoping for should, should i put it out like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's fair well right now we're gonna go on a very quick bathroom break and when we come back we're gonna talk about some games that we've been playing so stay tuned we'll be back here in a jiffy hey josh hey shay you know what i was thinking about this week i want to spend my money on a lot of different things like a wall clock a face mask a puzzle and a t-shirt you know where i could spend that kind of money i was thinking about webbed feet but if you want all that you can find it at store.swordchomp.com oh store.swordchomp.com and i've heard they have a bunch of different logos too i've heard they have the sword chomp logo the chomping after dark logo and they just recently got up the in the blood and the evoking the sublime logo as well the rumors are true well that's good that's good so if you out there are interested at all head to store.swordchomp.com that's store.swordchomp.com see you there welcome back we're here we're gonna talk about a game now thank you so much for coming back if you did and if you didn't it's a crying shame. But Josh and Rich here played a game called Maquette. And I'm going to give the floor to you guys. Please tell me, what is Maquette? Uh, before we like go crazy, like we both beat it, right? You beat it, Josh? Yes. Um, I, I don't know where you played it. I played the PS5 version because if you yeah, happen I was, to was... have a PS5, it is free. Yeah, it's on there. It's the free PS5 game currently for uh for ps you can you can claim the license even if you don't have a ps5 so if you feel like you're gonna you're gonna get a ps5 at some point maybe it's not easy to do still um you can claim this license early on and have that waiting for you if you like but uh if it sounds interesting after we're done talking mm, yeah yeah, exactly Let, let us sell you on it uh my cat is a another annapurna joint so those those lovely devs that keep turning out um, all that indie indie goodness with well, their money. Yeah, but other publisher, but yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying, like, it, I think Annapurna's Hollywood connections are are maybe why it had some of the voice talent it did. Because uh, it's a puzzle game, framing a a love story. The you, you might immediately notice that the dialogue is like really well acted. So I ended yeah. up looking that up. It's Bryce Dallas Howard and her husband mm-hmm. are the 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 two uh main characters in this story. Um uh, I, I don't know if I have the definition of uh maquette correct. It's a French word which is like a a miniature yeah, of something. Is that right? Yeah, uh imagine any movie where you've ever seen a villain uh explaining exactly what they're going to do over a model of this a miniature model of the town that they're about to conquer or back um, to the future part three. Yeah. Where Doc yeah. is trying to explain how the train is going to work. And you're like, how did we get here? This is the worst of these films. Yeah. They're, they're meant to be like a miniature architectural model, sort of a, sort of a deal, um, which is baked into a, the puzzling and also the narrative of this game, because a lot of, 
a lot of the way things are framed is representations from like an art book what? that this couple were presumably yeah. drew in together. What, y yes, that's kind of. I'll I'll get to that, but um, but as far as like uh the gameplay of it is, you are inside this maquette but also can but also outside it but yeah can can also see it so things are at different scales um and thinking about the problems you have uh like pay attention this might be a metaphor um is really dependent <laughs> on how you're how you're thinking about it like how big the problem actually is um like what what scale do you interact with this on? Is this a big oh, deal? Yeah. Is it a tiny little thing that we can just pick up and move over here? It 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 might be both. Um and that's what if I could make the staircase big, Josh? What if I could make it big? Yeah. It, like that's that's where like most of the the puzzle stuff comes into play because it basically as Josh said, you are interacting with the maquette, but you are also in a larger scale version of that maquette, which you, you learn very quickly, you can exit. Mm -hmm. So anything you play with in the miniature or otherwise is reactive in the other versions of it. So it becomes, if I take a miniature of a bridge and place it in the small maquette, a, that bridge at full scale will appear in the world around me. Yeah. Like you're likewise, moving both at the same time. Yeah. Likewise, if I take a, a large object or a small object, and place it outside on the ground, it will then appear in the maquette I can interact with at the appropriate scale. So you can make mm -hmm. things bigger or smaller by playing with that principle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, f for example, like, oh, there's a little toy bridge over here. Well, if I pick that up and move it into the maquette, like the, the, the little one in the middle of the area that I'm in, well, it's much larger in relation to that, um, which is really cool. I think they do some really fun stuff with that. Um, Big stairs are fun. I think once I figured out the very early on, there's a you sort of find like an oversized ticket. Mm -hmm. And once you figure out what you have to do with that and like that was the gears turning moment of me figuring out the very simple principle with the bridge you just talked about. That was the moment where I was like, the gears turned, and I was like, okay, this also works in reverse. Yes. So now that really opens up what you can do with this idea. Mm hmm I heard that you mentioned gears. Are there any, um, um, what are those things called? There are gears. Lands there are cogs. trees down with? The things that you chop trees down with. Saws? Oh, am I forgetting the name? Chainsaws? Chainsaws, yeah. Are there any chainsaws in the game? No. Okay, I'm sorry I'm to let curious. you down. There were co there no, are it's cogs. Okay. Um, there's a, there's a puzzle. Well, with, I'm just with I'm gems looking at, at this one point that I think I broke. Yeah, that yeah they patched I, that puzzle. I don't know if I solved it correctly. No, I absolutely I solved it, it incorrectly twice. I'm I'm that puzzle. They didn't know whether the game should have physics or not. They they didn't they didn't like they built the game and the physics broke it. Um because I did that chapter got to the very end the physics in it bugged out and this game I don't know I don't know what it's doing this game will save being in a broken state somehow somehow if you save it will permanently 
like you you'll just yeah, soft lock yourself. I I think I broke that puzzle, and then I restarted the chapter from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But the way I solved it, I still don't think it's the way I was supposed yeah. to. No, I know I solved it because I played it the day it came out, and then there was a patch like. The way I solved it is that those little gems on launch day were physics objects. So you could like open a little thing and kind of like nudge the other gem mm-hmm. to do to like move it along with you, which they patched out after after the game had, you know, after I had gotten soft blocked and broke it and restarted the chapter. Yeah. They patched it, came back, you couldn't move stuff again. So I'm like, okay, they they understand how this is supposed to work. It was still kind of broken. And I still managed to get myself soft locked by picking up one of those gems and tossing it to the other side of a wall that they, I would have needed the gem to open. And now you can no longer get to it. And now and I can no longer get where to you it. Are. Yeah, it, but I managed to because I've played games for decades at this point to kind of jump my way up on a corner of two invisible walls and hop over the wall that I was supposed to get to in yeah. the first place. So. I broke the game a second time to unlock myself. Granted, none of these sections but, are that long, yeah. and you can always go to the menu and be like a restart chapter, so it never feels yeah aggressively but, punishing in that in that sense. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like, I loved so much about what the game is doing, but mm-hmm. I feel like they could have used another month of QA, um, because probably. I broke this game more than I've broken most games in the last couple years. Like it just, it had some, it had some issues with, with the way these puzzles were built. Um, that the, the, the issue I think for me was like when I broke it, it wasn't clear to me if I broke it or yeah. if the way you were supposed to solve this was just like weird and obtuse. Yeah. Cause they had, and again, because I'd played it one way and then they patched the way it played, I had no idea what the rules were even supposed to be. And I think that was the major flaw there. Like, if mm. if you can't tell what the rule set is in a game, it, that's... Then it makes it hard to operate. Yeah, like, okay, like, yeah. I don't even know what the rules are of this puzzle I'm trying to work out in my head. Um, which, in a limited scope, can be neat. Like, okay, like, something like Baba is you like, Oh, you're changing the rules as you play the game. Like you, you understand that that's the puzzle. And so whenever you don't understand a thing you can do with that rule set, it's fun seeing how you can figure it out because like, there's a logical way to get to that conclusion. It's just, yeah. And and physics need to be defined here because physics are the rule set. Like to the point of like, towards the end of that game, you were basically changing the, tilt of the world you yeah. are existing in to solve puzzles like they mm-hmm. they do some really cool shit I, I think in the third act it really hits its stride of like i understand how all this stuff works and how it reacts when i do yeah. x thing and they, they end up doing some smart stuff with it yeah I, just, I i feel like specifically that chapter you were talking about the one with the gems that you use to like I, that was the weakest one it, for me. It's and once I was the weakest, past that, it was, it was smooth sailing. Yeah, because that that chapter, I I literally broke twice. I broke it. They patched it by the time I came back the next day, and I broke it in a different way. But I managed to get through it this time because the first time that was the chapter where I put it down when mm-hmm. I broke it the first time. Then I ended up 
powering through it the next time I sat down with it and I beat the rest of the game yeah. in that sitting. Yeah, because like because because the objects were kind of physics-y. I got to the very end of that stupid chapter, and the key I was supposed to use to open the last door to then see the see the cutscene move on to the next chapter, it clipped through the floor, and because of like I was like I was saying, the way the game saved, that key was permanently gone. I had to restart the chapter to yeah. to get back through there because of it just the way it was handling those physics at first was just not not polished out yet and i think yeah. it should be there by the time you guys are hearing about this because there have been other patches since then um yeah like it's it frustrated me because i felt like the puzzle I, I don't think the puzzles were the strongest part of it i feel like they worked more narratively than they did as puzzles um because like i was saying they they do a lot of really cool things as far as uh, you know like just just narratively the puzzles work as a metaphor for what's going on in the relationships really well but sometimes they break just as puzzles mm-hmm. um yeah that's interesting it, it looks like a pretty um the the art style looks pretty interesting it looks cute looks like a lot of fun um i think i think if you're into uh games that have a 73% rating it pc gamer that um Mark morgan and you're into <laughs> that you're into physics based games that i mean yeah i guess that sounds fun i mean i don't know how fun it is to do science and video games but uh i guess if that's your thing i didn't, I didn't... I'm, I'm trying to do my best to channel morgan right now am i doing yeah no that's this? clear um mm-hmm. uh i i i don't uh yeah i, I don't want to like harp on it for too long because i just think the i think that the puzzles do some smart enough stuff and it's like if you get it you get it it is at its core a story about a relationship and yeah. if that's not jiving for you then you're probably not going to feel the need to power through this i i think p- part of it being like the chemistry from the voice actors is clear because they're husband and wife like and i think that's part of what sells it so well um, that's yeah. cool yeah yeah the voice acting is outstanding the music is really cool it's really good yeah it does it does unexpected choices at almost every turn as far as like what they're gonna play here um i would i would often stop solving a puzzle because i just kind of wanted the track to finish before i would move on yeah yeah like they did some really cool stuff with that but again like i feel like the puzzles work they work on the narrative level but they just they 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 fall apart on the puzzling level. Um, cause I noticed this near the, you mentioned how you could kind of escape the maquette, which yeah. is in the first little bit, they use that for secrets and whatnot later on, because I kind of already knew that it becomes vital. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's meant for the progression, but they, ha- there's a section where you're supposed to get locked in and then they'll like let you out into the outside world and oh i finally discovered i can get out there but like i'd figured that out on the first level because i play so many puzzle games and if you know it ahead of time i ended it's up it's not a big moment well not it's yeah. not just not a big moment i missed whole sections of the game like 
because if you don't walk through there, they just won't trigger some of the like narrative bits because you're mm. not there. Um, and so then I was like, okay, let's see if I can clip my way back into these rooms so I can then see the story that I missed at this point, which it was weird. I felt like I was trying to stink my way back into not having skipped a bunch of the story. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I'm really torn on it because it does so I, many I do cool want to say like, I will. Most people are not going to have the problem Josh just talked about. Yeah, no, like, like I, it, it's it's not that it's non-existent. That is like that didn't happen to me just because like I, I think I, I was at a point where I was like, I could see that you could get out of here. But like, I didn't feel I didn't try to do it mm. because I was like, well, I, I could see that you could do this, but I, I don't think I need to do it right now for this puzzle. Um. Yeah. I don't think that'll be indicative of most people's experience. It's still an issue. I don't disagree I, with that. I think it's it's going to your mileage is going to vary on this depending on how much of a puzzle gamer you are cuz you don't need to be much of one to get through this game. There no. th- you do not. Like this is this is not a hardcore puzzle game and I think I'm coming off of stuff like, you know, the Talos principle and Superliminal. I'm like, "Oh, I've got to break everything all the time because those games are built on the idea that you will break them. Like, okay, we're going to give you this system. What can, what crazy thing can you do? And they've accounted for it. You don't need to go out and buy a notebook for this. Like I did with the witness. Yeah. And this is absolutely not like it's, it is the opposite of that. If you go out and try to break it, it, instead of some secret thing that they've accounted for, you're just going to break the game is kind of what, and like, I'm used to playing puzzle games as if I'm a QA tester. Cause a lot of puzzle games are made with that in mind and this one is not this is this is a narrative game that has puzzles in it um and so yeah just playing it the way i expected it to be ended up with me breaking the game over and over again by screwing around and doing dumb shit um so like i feel like just if you know that going into it it'll act it'll just be a better experience for you like you don't need to know anything else besides that just like just play the game. Like, don't, don't, yeah. don't try to break it. it it's let it not, just, just let, let kind of go with the flow on this. Yeah. One. It's, it's not that sort of game. Cool. Well, there you have it. And it's on game pass right now, right? It's free on game pass or not game pass. Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. On PlayStation the plus PSN. for P- the PS five version is free on PlayStation mm-hmm. plus. Uh, it's $20 Perfect. elsewhere. Well, yeah. You if, pick it up to, to you out there. If this, if uh, you want to play a cute, charming puzzle game with a 73 pc gamer ranking check it out and if you <laughs> want to feel that. depressed I had to get one more morganism in there I had to get yeah. one more morganism yeah they in there. yeah they really have but, some cool narrative and artistic decisions in this game that's really really fun cool well speaking of artistic uh visions and whatnot we're going to talk about the demo a uh, Project Triangle demo, to be specific, uh, from the creators of Octopath Traveler, which has a very, very similar art style. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, that this game, the demo dropped last month, and it's a it's a tactics game. It's very similar to Final Fantasy Tactics meets the art direction of Octopath Traveler. Um, yeah, to kind of like get us into the conversation, it's. Um, it's very dialogue driven. It's very heavy. It's obviously very akin to something like Octopath where there's just, it's a JRPG style where there's just a ton of dialogue 
to kind of get you into it. And this demo, um, which I found kind of interesting, throws you into the middle of the game. It's not throwing you into the beginning or at the end or anything like that. It's throwing you smack dab in the middle. And the developers kind of warn you about that at the beginning. They say that, hey, um, you're kind of, we're kind of throwing you into the middle chapters of the game. There's going to be a lot going on. Some of it is not going to make any sense to you. Just kind of, we're trying to get you a, a sense of what this world is about. Don't feel bad if you don't know everything that's going on. So they kind of warn you going mm. into it that it's all going to be a little bit overwhelming. And that's okay, because it's more about the feet like the 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 presence of the game what's happening the feeling how the dialogue's going to kind of shake out to be so once you kind of go into that with into the game with that in mind um some of what's happening in the demo makes sense and we're not going to talk too much about what happens um i'd also bet that's probably just the part they had the as like again it's vertical slice when it comes to games development this is probably the part of the game that was the most presentable Right, exactly. And I don't I don't think we should talk too much about the story. Um not that there's much there to really talk about. It's somebody's murdered. Um a murder most foul. Invo- yes. There's royalty involved, one kingdom's invading another. Like typical RPG mm-hmm. style story, which is not a bad thing at all. I mean, if you enjoy that that style, you're going to enjoy this. Um We're not going to talk too much about that because I think that that's better experience than us talking about it. And that's more of kind of like going into, even if it's a demo, it's still kind of going into spoiler territory. Um, I think it's more interest. Yeah, I know. I, I say that demo has been out for a week. Shay, it's time, time to, <laughs> it's time to spoil it. <laughs> you're, you're not right. You're not right. You're not wrong. No. Um, I, I want to talk more about kind of like how the game feels. And I didn't really, I didn't really feel? get to play much of Oct- stop that (laughs) um i i didn't play a lot of octopath but i know you guys did um talking about how the studio that made octopath is making this game and like how that kind of compares and in general how it compares with other tactics games and how this is a standalone title i think that's kind of the more interesting conversation to be had there so I know, Rich, you've talked a little bit about this. You've played Octopath in the in the past, and I know you played this demo. Um, what's what's kind of like the interesting bits here coming from Octopath to this game? The well, the interesting bit to me is like one the the art is good. It's got a good look. It's got the look that like encapsulate enca- encapsulates the Final Fantasy tactics, the tactics ogre, which is what I'm looking for here. Um, like Final Fantasy tactics is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, I'm, I'm always looking for something that is scratching that itch. And I always find things that come close, but never quite fully grab what that game was doing. And then I get apprehensive because this studio, as they did with Octopath, I find they always have some really great mechanics and then something always just falls like short of it. Like Hmm. final fantasy tactics worked in part because it was mechanically sound. They, they were working within the limits of the PS1. They made an exceptional tactics game, but then on the narrative end, like, the world was interesting. Like, it was fucking Game of Thrones. Like, sure, sometimes vampires showed up, but at the end of the day, it was all political <laughs> intrigue. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, like, like, vampire, your brother was a vampire. We don't have to get into it. It was... 
I mean, I'm willing to excuse the... Not so important. Yeah, I'm willing to excuse the thing Sukoden did where, like, again, a game about political intrigue, but at one point a vampire that's called Necklord shows up and there's a talking sword. It's not important. Um, <laughs> <laughs> What's important here... <laughs> What's important here is... Uh, game. Like, yeah, the, it, it works mechanically, and again, the game is going to be 50% like troop assignment and figuring out your job classes, and the other 50% is going to be dialogue. So that dialogue needs to be good, or else it's not, you're not going to be carried through to the mechanics that are good. Like, yeah. I, I think on, on its face, it is scratching that Final Fantasy Tactics itch for me, mechanically. The question this can't quite answer for me without proper context is if the narrative is going to do the same. Yeah, yeah, and mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's kind of difficult to determine that from a demo and one you're kind of thrown in the middle of. Marcus, you played Octopath, right? Yes, I okay. did. So, granted, you were playing the demo, full disclosure, right before. <laughs> I was like, here, play as much of this as you can before we start the show. Yep. We're live um, in five. <laughs> that's right. Oh, no! <laughs> so, what like, coming from Octopath to this, thinking that it's the same creators, like, what do you think there? Like, what 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 are the big? I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, like they were saying, like the art's going to be freaking amazing. Um, it looks great. Yeah. Um, like Octopath is like playing Octopath. Like the story, it can take some getting into. At least in my play, it took some getting into. So through this game, I mean, I like RPGs. Um, too. So the dialogue, like you said, it needs to be good. From what I was playing so far, it's like there's a lot there, but as you said earlier, they're just kind of dropping you in the middle of like context nowhere, is everything. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, who are these people? What? <laughs> Dude, yeah, I, I felt so overwhelmed at the very. You don't have a reason like... to care, so it's it's hard to say if like if that reason even exists. Like. For all you know, right, right. You're getting. You don't give a shit about these, these people at this point. These people, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're like, like at first I was like, all right, I need to memorize this person and this person and, and this this, this land, and I was like, what? Why am I trying to do that? This do is you? the full game. Do you point. is the question that we don't have an answer to yet. Is the kinda... real question is what's the Metacritic score look like? Yeah, because I mean, like <laughs> <laughs> that that whole That's dropping it. you into a world that has, you know centuries of context that you don't have yet is something that Final Fantasy Tactics that Ivelisse has done excellently so far like all the games like Tactics uh, yeah. Vagrant Story they, they both handle that extremely oh, well oh you don't know about the Holy Order of the Zodiac um, but but like whether or not that matters based off of a demo is gonna be really tough to gauge so you're saying is make sure Absolutely. you read the Cimmerillion before you play this exactly <laughs> that's that's the only takeaway here we're done guys thank you very much um no i i yeah the the story was like i got to the point in the demo where honestly i just started skipping <laughs> i started skipping all the dialogue i was like you know what i don't need to care about this right now yeah, when for the, the game releases of the demo okay. it, it it doesn't really matter it's just like all you're no. gonna be able to discern from this demo is is this mechanically good so let's get to the part where i'm figuring out the mechanics mm -hmm. Right, and so the, the demo drops you into two battles, um, two main battles. Uh, one is where you were kind of uh, trying to escape to a bridge, 
And then the other one is you're in a town, and this unfortunately you didn't get to experience this one, Marcus, um, where you're you're kind of surrounded in a town, and you can set the town ablaze in various areas. And you, it's and they tell you in the demo we're gonna ramp up the difficulty a little bit because we're trying to give you a conclusive feel of how um, the tactics are actually gonna work in this game. So it's not an easy demo. It's not a hard demo, but it's not an easy demo either. Um, that second battle is considerably harder than the first one. Um, I actually died on the second one the first time I played the the second battle, and then the then yeah. I just reworked strategy. The nice thing here is um, there's no permadeath. Uh, Marcus was actually asking me about that beforehand. He's like, "Is there permadeath?" And I was like, "Thankfully, no." But if all your characters die, obviously the battle has to restart. Um, it plays, yeah, it plays very much like a t- Final Fantasy Tactics game. Um, there's, there was, uh, one thing that I, I really, really enjoyed about this game and it was the, there are certain abilities that can really manipulate the battlefield. Like there's a, there's a, your ice mage, she can drop a line of ice and that's really good in, mm, in context nice. of, um, yeah, I love ice <laughs> is that. One of the big things about this game, which is similar to tac- most tactics games, is your positioning. Um, like, you can attack from the front, the side, or the back, and that'll do damage, but also terrain, in that there aren't, like, terrain bonuses. There are, um, if you're standing higher than another character, um, and you're about to attack the other character, you have the chance to have greater accuracy or do bonus damage. And the, vi- and the opposite is true as well. So when you're placing uh, obstacles on the battlefield, you get to take that into consideration, and that's I think it can really also increase range, uh, right? Like if you're if you're attacking with like a bow or something like range attacks, I think if you have the high ground, it increases your range. Yes, yes. which I, I yes. think is I, I always enjoy that mechanic in these types of games. Yes, the the speaking of the bow, like. I, I thought, like, it was kind of strange when I was playing, like, oh, okay, the bow guy. Who do I have that can hit him? Oh, mm. my bow guy. You get your bow guy up there, and you better have that one square in between you, because if you don't, guess what? You can't attack each other. Right. <laughs> right. No, that's true. And one of, one of the things that Marcus had pointed out when he was playing, I was watching him, and I thought about it when I did it, and I didn't think about it again, but it's a good point. Is I one thing I really love about this demo is you can actually shift your perspective of where you're looking at, so you can move the camera around, so you can actually see. Um, so you're not stuck to the camera being at one angle, like something like into the breach. You're stuck pretty much at one angle, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's that's very typical camera. of a lot of tactics games. But yes, it's a fixed camera. But here you can move the camera around, which is really really nice. Because especially when you are dealing with things like elevation differences and you're trying to get a yeah. you're trying to do greater damage or you're trying to do more accurate um hitting, to be able to move that camera to see everything is really, really helpful. And um I'm glad that Marcus had pointed that out because it's something that I had registered, but I didn't think to lodge that into my brain as a talking point. It's a really useful thing in tactics games. And I hope that 
this game kind of makes that the standard going forward. Not that it's the first one to do it, because I believe Fire Emblem also does that. But in a game where you're dealing with more elevation, where you're dealing with more elevation, that's something that needs to be kind of the standard going forward. I think the only games that I can think of that had, like, elevation were... Like the only the only one I can really think of are XCOM, mm, yes. like the newer XCOM. Well, that is like the and, modern standard, so that would that would make sense yeah. as like a first thought, I think. Yeah. And then if we're thinking like older games, like in the Final Fantasy Tactics yep. type style, there was this game for the PSP called Jeanne d'Arc. Yeah. Where like mm-hmm. it, <laughs> I knew Jean Rich was gonna know. It. I knew Rich was gonna know it. I didn't know it. That's yeah. that's a fantasy oh. RPG based on Joan of Arc. It's fucking wild and it's great. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Like and like I I'm sitting here playing this this demo. And I'm like, this reminds me of this game I played on the PSP many many years ago. Like great game. You can get your positioning right. The side attacks, the attack from the back, the elevation. It was all there. Yeah. Just. Yeah. I I yeah I regret that I didn't get into like a lot of the tactics a lot of tactics games until much later in my life. Like Shining Force was pretty much the only game for me, <laughs> tactics wise, when I was a kid, and then that that started growing also, when I was much older. Before it slips my mind, I want to bring it up because I'm glad you brought up that thing with the archers, Marcus. Um, because I, a lot of tactics games do that, and I always say there's an easy fix for it, and Final Fantasy Tactics does it, and I wish more games would do it. Which is when you have like archers at point blank range like that, they can still attack each other in Final Fantasy Tactics. But they took the best approach with it, which is they're not going to attack with their bows. They're just going to fucking deck each other. I (laughs) love that approach. Mm -hmm. Like, you try and attack up close with the archer, he's just going to punch you in the fucking mouth. (laughs) Yes. That actually reminds me of another thing that's very atypical of these type of games, is Marcus had pointed it out, and it happened to me right when it happened, too. This is a little bit in the story, but it's more of... um, just like what they programmed into the game is when a character died in the story, there was a massive pool of blood. It was surprisingly violent. Why don't they turn into a crystal? I was surprised by that. <laughs> yeah, I just like, I was surprised because like Shining Force or Fire Emblem, uh, Breath of Fire, they don't like, they don't go, they don't breach that territory. But do they go, the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we also laughed at that during the demo as well <laughs> oh that part made me laugh so hard when, when i die but... even if it's of old age in a bed i'm gonna hope i can tell what my final moments are so i can go could you imagine that? and then like, turn into a treasure chest what, what like you are the voice actor and someone legitimately looks at you from the booth and is like uh can you make a dying sound? And you're like, oh, and they're like, no, I'm sorry. More and more desperate. Oh, no. Make it really annoying. Like, like, like Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Perfect. That's exactly what we were looking for. <laughs> Perfect. We're going to increase like, the you volume go, you on go that tenfold. Your, you go home to your wife and she's like, hey, what'd you do at work today? Can I show you? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you're not getting any dinner tonight you're not getting any dinner tonight i'm sorry i'm not feeding you for that shit but no it's the demo is really really good um 
the dialogue gets and the story gets a little bit uh verbose but it the the gameplay itself the actual battle system is really fun and there's something that you didn't unfortunately get to do marcus that it's between the first and second battle is you're trying to decide something story-wise and what they do is they have all the main characters vote on it and you can actually talk with the main characters to try and convince them of the decision you want to make and i really like that because that's it's it's akin to me of like fire emblem three houses that they had a lot of these sim elements in there that really keep you wanting to play and that was another really cool sim element i liked is you feeling like you have some shape over the story in a tactics game by trying to get people to vote one way or the other was a really, really cool thing that um, I did not expect in this demo. I mean, the point of the demo is try to get as much of your, your, your game out there to give people, like, to give them to wet their toes, right? Yeah. 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 I, like, Rich, how did you feel about that section? Like, was it, um, it is what it is? Or? I guess it didn't stick out to me in a big way, but, like, I, I'm more used, used to seeing that in, like, other game forms. I, I think it's a welcome addition to a game like this, because it's just like, yeah, sure, I, I played visual novels, I get it. Like, yes, uh, yes for like, sure. I didn't feel particularly strongly about it, but I think it is a good, it, it's a way to, force is the wrong way to put it, but, like, give you more incentive to like pay attention to what's going on in this narrative and like get involved with it and <laughs> give it more stakes, I guess. Like, I, I think it is a good addition and I, I hope there, I hope that's not a one-off thing. I'm sure it isn't like it was clearly a deliberate choice to put that in the, in the demo. I don't think that it's a one-off because basically every, because you have dialogue choices in there. They usually give you a choice between three and they state that after you do that the first time, that basically your dialogue choices are going to fall un- under one of three categories. And I think you have a really good point there that it's not like forcing you, but it's kind of a mandatory onboarding, maybe would be the best way to word that, is to try and get the player invested in the story. by Like, hey, you're going to have to make some choices here and vote. So get involved, like get into the story. Let's onboard you on that. Or you're not going to know what's going on. When or you're, you... you're going to be confused and just like making decisions at random, which is not an interesting way yes. to play anything. No, no, exactly. I just thought that was such an interesting. I don't know if you'd call it mechanic or just like a. a it's a, a mechanic. Story. Yeah. yeah it, a mechanic to introduce into a tactics game. And I like it. I like that a lot. Um, it, like I said, it has that similar feel of something like Fire Emblem Three Houses where they're infusing these sort of sim elements into a game that you wouldn't expect it to be in. Totally. Yeah. Uh, last question about this demo before we move on. Uh, do you, like, having both Marcus and Rich, you guys having played the demo, Josh hasn't gotten around to it yet. Does this demo make you want to play the full game when it drops? I'm going to throw it to you first, Marcus. I'll give it a shot. I mean, I enjoy tactics games like that, especially Fire Emblem games. Um, it might take me a while. <laughs> it might take me a while to get through it, because uh, you can ask any of my friends how long it's taking me to play through three houses. But 
That is a long game. <laughs> but I'll definitely play it. Yeah. Rich? Yeah, but I mean, let's be real. Our listeners knew I was going to fucking do it anyway because I have a problem. Uh-huh. Like, um, <laughs> I I was going to do it regardless. I didn't need the demo. Like, you just got to be like, hey, we made this game and it's kind of like Final Fantasy Tactics. I'm like, cool. Where do you have like a credit card thing I could swipe somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> do you, is PayPal good? Like, how do you want to, how are we going to make this transaction happen? <laughs> Pretty much, and I'm very much I'm very much in the same boat. Like if Josh Josh has figured this out about me very much, so that if it's a tactics or strategy game, if he wants me to try, all he has to say tactics or strategy, and I'm like, I will get mm-hmm. around to it. I will I will prioritize it at some point. And um, even though I didn't play Octopath, I definitely want to play this game. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes, and. I uh I want to see how the story kind of evolves into where the demo gets to. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. So, um that's going to be about it. Uh we're going to save the polls that Morgan usually runs on the Instagram for next week. Um as he didn't get them to me and I know he's very passionate about them. Next week we will return with another episode. We're going to be talking about some games and uh not as serious of a topic as this one. Um, you know, obviously this was a very, very deep one. Uh, I want to say a specific and wonderful thank you to Marcus. Thanks for coming and talking about this again. No, no problem, man. Thanks for making time for our nonsense. Yes. Oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. Thank you for inviting me on to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely have you back. Seriously. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you, Rich from New York, Josh from Michigan. I'm not going to thank myself, and you I want to thank though. Morgan for uh, making us start the show three hours late and then not showing up. But then again, <laughs> that's not his fault. Family, tr- family troubles. He told me to give him some shit on the show, so there you go, Morgan. I give you your shit. Yep. Um, and we will be back next week with another exciting episode of the Chomp Cast. Take care. Bye.